Welcome to Stories from a Shower Singer with your hosts, Tony and Emma. Welcome to episode four of Stories from a Shower Singer. Do you love to sing in the shower? If your answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. In each episode, we interview fascinating people from all walks of life about the joy and healing powers of singing and creativity. We also invite you, the listener, into an intimate jam session with our guest and teach you their favourite shower song so you can sing along with us. So lather up. And let's sing. Well, wow, we are up to episode four of Stories from a Shower Singer, and it's Stories from a Shower Singer, Stories of a Shower Singer. <laughs> wow, Tony, you I don't can't even, even remember. know your own podcast title. I can't title. even remember the, the own it. podcast title. Stories from a Shower Singer. <laughs> Stories from a Shower Singer. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, remember well, we're that one. a great start, everybody. A roaring start, but guess what? We have a very, very special guest, Christopher Dean. A.K.A. Dad. dad. Welcome, Dad. Dad Bean. Hey, Dad. Hello, Aunt. Hello, Emma. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's so good to so have long you here. So long since I've talked to you. So, so long. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes ago. That's right. Oh, it's such a pleasure to, to chat with you today, Dad. And I feel like we're going to uncover some things that we perhaps don't even know about our own father. That would be pretty cool if we did. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. Dad is... A fascinating man. He has been an inspiration for both Tony and I um, and really encouraged us so much with our music growing up. I have very vivid memories of um, talking to the speaker at home when Dad was a radio DJ for a a classical music station. Um, I would listen to him through the the radio speakers and think that he could hear me when I was talking back through the speakers. And, of course, that wasn't the the case, but um, apparently it was very cute. Um, So (laughs) he he really introduced us to the world of music and... um, we can't wait to talk about that further today. Yeah. Well, um, Dad, can you take us back to the very beginning? How did you start on your journey with music? What made you fell in love with it? Well, I've, I've thought about this many times, not just for this uh, podcast, Aunt, but um, to me um, it's a, almost impossible to answer what actually throughout your life turns you on to these particular things, whether it be the visual arts or, or music or some other artistic endeavour? And the answer is, I don't know. The only way I think I can answer the question is to rack my memory and think, what are those things that I actually do remember? And perhaps they were a stimulus to... Uh, introducing me to music, but I don't know. Mm. <laughs> well, take us back to the very, very beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Brisbane. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, I didn't live in Brisbane for most of my uh, primary school years. Uh, I was from North Queensland. Uh, lived on a farm uh, for the first five 
years of my life. Wow. And then in most of my primary school years, I um, lived in a small town uh, south of Townsville called Bowen. Is that where all of the, the delicious mangoes come from? Yes, uh, <laughs> the Bowen special mangoes. Indeed, uh, what a waste, but we used to, <laughs> with my friends in the backyard, used to have rather mango fights, and uh, <laughs> the fighting wasn't eating the mangoes but actually chucking them at each other. Oh, my God. And we came rather sticky, or we came to a rather sticky end in both literally and uh, particularly when my mother caught us doing the fighting. Oh, <laughs> no, those mangoes, you could have sold them for a pretty penny, couldn't you? Well, um, yes, uh, I guess I <laughs> didn't have the entrepreneurial skill that, <laughs> that I actually never actually got anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your family growing up, so you uh, are one of four siblings. That is correct, yes. I, I'm the, uh, the third oldest, which means mm -hmm. I'm the, um, I have one sister, Elizabeth, who is younger than me. Mm -hmm. But there's really two families. There was a before the war family and uh, two were uh, a brother and a sister and then an mm. after the war family. Of course, my dad was, uh, went off to the war. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was born in 1947 and my sister was born in 1948, whereas my elder uh, brother and uh, older sister uh, was born in the early 40s. Yeah, right. Mm. And were any of those uh, siblings musical? Was music something that was encouraged uh, as, a, as, as, a, as a youngster by your parents? I've got to say no. In fact, uh, it was actually, a, uh, to be quite honest, it was a, a music-free Household, mm. um, wow. so it wasn't uh, it wasn't like the household that you were brought up in, whereby there was always music around, right. and so um, I guess when I think back, the the first memory that I have of oh this might be interesting was when I was in um, when I I've now arrived in Brisbane and I was at a school in Brisbane, and uh, I must have been grade seven, I think, and I was asked to be a, um, um, a boy soprano at speech night. <laughs> wow! And, uh, and so I must have had a reasonable boy soprano voice. And to this day, it's interesting, it must have had some sort of impact, at least subconsciously, because to this day, I still remember part of the song. It was uh, Brahms' mm. Lullaby... Uh, cradle song, uh, what I now know, based on some poems and songs, folk songs uh, called Des Narben Wunderhorn or Boy's Magic Horn. And uh, it, um, it was a, a song called Wiegenlied or Cradle Song. And uh, the first couple of lines, which has never left me. Can I sing it? Oh, my yes, gosh. Can you sing it in your best soprano. boy soprano voice? Oh. Well, I, I don't think I can do that, but, <laughs> but um, unless certain things happen. But um, Are you wearing but, your tight undies, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's, it goes something like Guten Abend, good night, mid rose and bedacked. So that's good evening and good night. So why does that stay with me? 
I don't know. Well, that that <laughs> is such a familiar melody, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it, is. It, is, it is. It is. It is a lullaby that so many parents would have sung to their children. I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, in I the, feel like in the nineteenth century, anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you sang it to me as a child. That could be possible, and no, it's stuck I, in my head. I, 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 I think there was another song a bit more contemporary. I, I used to um, sing you a Beatles song. I think. Did you? Yes, what was that? I did. It was. Um, well, I could play it for you if you're a little bit, uh, if you like. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Here, There and Everywhere by the Beatles. I'm sure you'll remember it, M's and Ant. We, we sure, sure do. do. Jinx. Jinx! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, Dad, your family wasn't particularly musical. Hmm. Music was not necessarily encouraged um, when, you were, when you were a kid. But then somehow along the way, you picked up a guitar Mm. When did that happen? Well, what at, sparked your interest? Yeah, I, I guess it was the it was the sixties, mid nineteen sixties, and it was the folk boom. And uh, I thought uh, I had just gone to teachers' college, and uh, I was wandering through a music shop one day, and I saw this guitar, and I thought, um, oh, I might might have a go at this. And so I bought a very, very cheap guitar. At the same time, I bought a, an LP record because there weren't any cassettes or hard disk drives or anything like that. It was all on LP. And it was an instruction record, how to finger pick guitar. And so each mm -hmm. track had a different sort of pick, an arpeggio, if you like. Uh, and so I meticulously went about uh, learning that. And then shortly after, uh, a couple of my friends, we joined uh, what, uh, not a very, um, uh, very, um, what shall I say, exciting name, but we called ourselves the College Folk Singers. And, very literal. Uh, uh, nice. yeah. I like it. <laughs> and we started uh, performing at parties. We were lucky enough in the same year, 1966, I think it was, we won the um, Brisbane Steadford for the folk music group, oh. and uh, and then later on in the year we won a talent quest at uh, the Southport New Year's Eve talent quest uh, in 1966, and this became a for me it was another seminal point uh, for my love of music, and one of the prizes, well the first prize was a a holiday uh, at a resort. The second prize was a selection of LP records that uh, we could select. I think it must have been 10 we could 
take home. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them, I saw this, uh, this guitar that was on the cover of it, and uh, I thought, oh, well, this, this sounds interesting. And uh, so I took it home and put it on the player, and this was the first time I'd ever listened to classical guitar. And uh, it was an LP of South American uh, classical guitar pieces. Now, for the listener today, how could you go throughout life without having heard these things? Mm. It's important that um, music is everywhere these days Mm. through social media, through streaming. But in those days, there were very few avenues. And so... I listened to this. I practically wore out the uh, the guitar, uh, the guitar LP, and uh, I thought I've really got to do something about this. And uh, so it was had certain similarities with folk music, and that it was you know, finger style. And so I had to enrol to learn how to play this very difficult piece. What was exciting about the the classical guitar to me was that there there was what I now know to be counterpoint, and so you're mm. able to fake counterpoint. You're using your thumb and different melodies at the same time by using your fingers, and I was I was absolutely bowled over by wow. it, and so I started learning uh, classical guitar. That's awesome. amazing, and for the listeners, counterpoint is when there's you know, two melodies going at the same time mm. or two two different parts, which is, I would imagine, incredibly challenging to learn. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I didn't have any background, of course. Mm. I, at that stage, I didn't uh, read music mm. and uh, I was able to look at chords and learn a few chords and things like that. So it was, but it was a it was a great revelation to be on. Although I never became a, a great classical guitarist, it has always been a that's debatable. No, no, no. <laughs> it's always been a uh, a great interest mm. to me mm. to both listen, mainly listen, and. Uh, and play for my own pleasure. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you um, you got a classical guitar made um, specifically for you, didn't you, Dad, around, well, I think it was 1971? That... Yes, that, that's right. That's around about the, um, the time I started, well, I'd been learning for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, no, one year. And, uh, yes, I, um, there was a classical guitar maker at uh, Mount Cravat, and uh, I, um, I commissioned him to, uh, to make one for me. And one of the beautiful things about it is that he was very interested in showing the way he made. So I used to visit him uh, a couple of times as he made it. And he said, we're up to this and we're at the gluing stage and all that sort of thing. So mm. it really, um, there was a great sense of ownership when the guitar was finished and it it was almost like a a, a person mm. to me because of the its history. A bit like you, Ems, in terms of you naming your mm-hmm. violins and yes. pianos. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. For the listeners, I have uh, well, my 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 first full size violin. Um, I think we purchased him when I was twelve. Is named Elliot. 
Elliot. My <laughs> beloved Elliot, who I neglect, but you might hear a bit of Elliot later on in the program. Yeah. And uh, just an uh, interesting note as well, that same guitar that Dad got made for him in about 1971, I still have because ah! Dad passed it on to me and it's still a beautiful guitar. I need to put some new strings on it though, but it sounds very nice. <laughs> yes, it's a, a very warm sound, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Some of my earliest memories are listening to Dad practising uh, classical guitar. And when I was, I think, 18 years old, I actually joined an orchestra with Dad. I uh, started to learn the mandolin. So the mandolin strings are the same as the violin. Uh, so it was relatively easy for me to pick up and learn. And so I joined mandolins in Brisbane. And I was in the first mandolin section and dad was of course in the classical guitar section. We used to play Italian folk songs and all sorts of um, wonderful pieces. That was a really fun time. I think I was the youngest in the orchestra by about 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was was a sort of an orchestra for older people. But having said that, there were later on, after you'd left, there were even younger people. It became cool. Uh, Yeah, that's right. right. (laughs) And in fact, I I really do wish I I had kept going with the mandolin and I often think about buying another mandolin because it's such a beautiful instrument I think. Mm. And the beauty of it is that it has the same tuning as the violin. Exactly so So it's quite easy to to pick up as a violinist and to read the music. The only thing you have to get really used to is using a pick and tremolo so Mm. but it's a lot of fun a lot of fun to play. Well um dad let's um take take us back a little bit further um because I know that you were a very seasoned performer around about the time of, what, late 60s, 70s? You were, like, hitting all the clubs. You were doing Cloudland. Cloudland. (laughs) But also you were a very famous performer in... Yeah, like you were were on hitting the TV stations as well, playing with orchestras and, like, the X Factor of the time, and you were were doing extremely well. Can you tell us a bit about that time? Well, I certainly can. I'd, I'd probably dispute the famous bit, but um, but certainly well, run with it, Dad. Just run with it. Own our, it. Our our, our very mum, your very wife, <laughs> saw you on the TV and did did she not fall in love with you? And when she saw you on the TV, she, she did. She did. Yeah. She was so, swooning. She was swooning <laughs> until one fateful day they met each other on the squash court, oh, and she is... said, "It's the man from TV." <gasps> But dad was all. But dad was with another lady at the time. Was scandalous. That, is that right? Was that scandalous. right? Scandalous. Is that right? Well, well, dad, you don't. You, can, you don't I, have I to think, confirm or deny. We'll just, just, just keep we'll it. Just, we'll just move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. That's all right. That's okay. okay. You never know who's listening. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, but you well, do tell us about well, this amazing period of your life. Yeah, well, out of the. Uh, It's only a very small period of my life because I became interested in doing other things Mm. and didn't really continue with the uh, performing side for many years. And um, But uh, out of that folk group, uh, the folk group broke up because people, uh, being teachers, uh, they went to various parts of Queensland and so I decided to continue solo and... uh, 
One of the things uh, which I, before doing that, uh, when I was teaching, uh, it's interesting that the way things come around, I always, with my class, uh, although I wasn't a music teacher, always had a little choir. And uh, mm. so wherever I was, and uh, I found it was a wonderful way of getting kids together, particularly if they weren't that good at school, mm -hmm. but uh, there was this sort of sense of community and we were invited to sing, you know, quite a few little venues. So the choir had about, you know, seven to ten kids in there, very simple sort of harmonies. And uh, so it it was one of the great times uh, of of my life, I think, because it's very rewarding to to pass on that sort of love love of music. But we all went our ways in terms of our folk group, and I decided to do solo. And after returning, I taught for a couple of years out west, and I always joke that I did the pub circuit there at Judy Creek because there were two pubs. <laughs> 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 and uh, when I came back, I, I did uh, some solo work and hotels. Very basic these days when you think of like sound systems and things are so much better. Um, but um, an opportunity came up to to do some um, uh, television work, and one of one of the programs was a New Faces program. And so I um, I went on New Faces and uh, hosted by who? Um, the Queensland version at that time, this is the year 1970s, 1971, um, it was uh, hosted by Ron Cady, I think. And uh, then the national edition, I was fortunate enough to do fairly well because it was a state edition and a national edition. I did fairly well in the uh, the state edition and... Uh, I, that enabled me to perform for the national edition of mm. uh, New Faces, and that was hosted by a person called Bert Newton. Mm. And uh, one of the great joys, and I guess you've been asking about what sort of things uh, stimulated me to have a passion and a continuing passion for music. And uh, I, I remember for the first time, remember this is the person who at this stage couldn't read music, and it was basically learned everything orally. And the great experience of working with a 25-piece orchestra, the GTV9 Orchestra, wow. and I can remember for the first time, and I played guitar and sang uh, on that, I remember the first, the first song I sang, I appeared on the National New Faces quite a, quite a few times, and... Uh, I think the song was a Mike Nesmith song called Joanne. Oh, mm. you know what? I would love to hear Joanne. Joanne you don't happen yeah. to have a, an original recording lying I, around? I, I do. I do have a, a recording of most of um, those sort of appearances. It's interesting. Nowadays, I'm just sitting in this studio with all the line outs and line ins and speakers and the wonderful computer equipment. The only way I could record in those days was to record directly from the television and I had to use alligator clips <laughs> to uh, to plug into the uh, oh the terminals of the speaker, the little mono oh. speaker in the and into 
um, recorded on a very hissy pre-Dolby uh, cassette recorder. Ooh. And so as a result, uh, most of the things that I record are fairly hissy, but nevertheless, they're, 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 it's a lovely memory. So uh, It's authentic. Let's, well, let's I have think a we listen. should uh, have a listen to this, yeah. This is Christopher Dean with Joanne. Her name was Joanne And she lived in a meadow by a pond And she touched me for a moment With a look that spoke to me of her sweet love Then the woman that she was To run with desperation I saw as she went A most hopeless situation For Joanne and the man And the time that made them both wrong She was only a girl And I knew that well and still I could not see That the hold that she had was much stronger than the love she had for me. But staying with her and my little bit of wisdom broke down her desires like a light through a prison to yellows and blues and a tune that I could not have sung. Though the essence is gone, I have no tear to cry for her, and my only thought of her is time. Her name was Joanne, and she lived in a meadow by a pond. And she touched me for a moment with a look that spoke to me of her sweet love. I saw as she went a most hopeless situation For Joanne and the man and the time that made them both wrong For Joanne and the man and the time that made them both wrong For Joanne and the man and the time Amazing. Incredible. So that good. was I got goosebumps. I love listening to Dad's voice. Me it's, too. Um, you, you sound like a uh, like a like an a crooner, but mm. like a, like a I, I, can't, I can't describe it. Like Andy Williams, Dean Martin, or kind of like yeah, along that kind of genre. No wonder Mum fell in love I with know. you, Dad. <laughs> so good. And not to mention, you had quite an impressive sort of white man afro, didn't you? Yes, I I did try to grow my hair long, and I note that uh, 
and has been able to do this very successfully, but my hair never grew down. It always grew up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was uh, very fashionable, especially yeah, well, for the time. So, so yeah, see, well done on having Dad's some great, strutting around some great with hair. A, with a fro and his, <laughs> and his, his flares. And his, flares. And his, like, his flower shirt <laughs> and his John Lennon glasses. Oh, you would have, the sweet. ladies would have been swooning. Absolutely, lining up, yeah. lining up. And so, Dad, tell us a little bit about um, what happened after you went on this show. So you, uh, let me get this right, you you won the heat of the, the Queen's well, the won, local... Won, well, there were several heats. Yeah. I won those. And then there was the, as a result of winning heats, you were able to go to the National Edition. There were several right. heats of the National Edition and then... I got to the fi- grand, grand final of the national edition of mm. um, Australia's New Faces, yes. It's amazing. Wow. And this was the program that also launched the career of Australia's very own Crocodile Dundee, Crocodile Paul Hogan. Dundee. That's Is that right, correct? That's, that's right, yes. Wow. Paul Hogan, uh, he was on a couple of shows we were on, but he was on, on the grand final as well, we were on the the same show together. It was really interesting. The party afterwards, uh, all the cast had a party after the show, and I always remember Paul. This is before he was had been pulled down from the from the Harbour Bridge, and he we we was most of us are just celebrating, having a drink, and he Paul was in the corner saying, "Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that." He was wow. doing he was doing a. Um, He's doing a sort of a reflection on on his um, his his performance. So it was really quite interesting. That's so, really interesting. Yeah, it's a different side of a uh, different side of a person. And he but, had a comedy act, didn't he? Yes, it was, it, it yes, was very he, different to. to you know, yes, that's right. It was a, it was a spoken spoken word. Mm. Had very short shorts and a singlet, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, and he carried that character through wow. uh, to um, but look. Not soon thereafter, I think uh, John Cornell became his manager, and he got a job with Today Tonight, I think. Right. Uh, and uh, so he launched his career there. Hmm. Unreal. Dad has worked as a teacher, as a researcher, as a musician. You've done so many things, Dad. Mm, and one absolutely. other thing that he's done is, uh, and I touched on this earlier on, um, he was a radio announcer. Mm-hmm. Dad, so far, how are we going as interviewers? What do you give us out of ten? <laughs> well, I think. Uh, well, I forgot the bloody name of the <laughs> so of the show. Minus five points for Tony, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we haven't tested you on the pronunciation of some classical composers, so oh, we, might, we might have to we might have to do that a little bit later I think on. I'm going to fail that. One. And this radio station was a predominantly classical music radio yes, station, but it, also jazz. Yes, it was classical and jazz uh, station, mm. and uh, I I guess I saw and I'm harking back to when I was turned on to classical music it became a, quite a passion for me and although as a hobby I loved playing and learning guitar it was I felt my best role would be in fostering the appreciation of of classical music and jazz and so uh, this radio station 4MBS came um, 
on air, I think, in 1979, and I was one of a group of small number of people at the time who contributed to the running in the first uh, years of, uh, of this radio station. Good morning, this is Radio 4MBS, FM 103.7 Brisbane, from our music centre at 384 Old Cleveland Road, Cooparoo. The time is six o'clock. I'm Christopher Dean, and this is Glinker, his Rusland and Ludmilla Overture. I, earlier on, I, I got interested in radio not only because of the music, but earlier on, uh, while I was at uh, university, I had the opportunity of um, doing a series of um, school radio broadcasts for the ABC. It was a a program called Happiness Runs and it was a mime and music program for early childhood and it was a wonderful opportunity because not only was there a script in which you played characters each week but there you also I was able to do some little song writings little ditties, the words were already written so I was able to uh, put some music to that and also use well, even the guitar for sound effects and different Lovely. background things. In our next program, Happiness Runs takes everyone on a space flight. Happiness runs, happiness runs. Happiness runs, happiness runs. So f- through, that, um, through that experience, um, I, I got a love for radio. Mm. And then, of course, I already had this love for classical music, so it seemed to be a damn good idea to join mm-hmm. the two. And so I became involved in radio, and I was involved uh, in total for 10 to 12 years and uh, undertake, undertook every um, probably position that there was, you know, treasurer. Um, the, I was chair for a, a short while. Um, and the announcer programmer, the announcer trainer, uh, the coordination of the programs, developing schedules and so on, as well as a a programmer uh, announcer. So it was a a great time in which I not only enjoyed doing that, all as a volunteer, but also learnt a great deal about the music that I was very interested in. And you are like an encyclopedia, I have to say. We can Mm. ask Dad almost any musical question and he often has the answer. He often does. Even even as yourself and I went to university to study jazz, Dad seems to know more about jazz than I do. (laughs) I I would back that up. I would back that up. He has a very good mind for remembering the artists and the the periods and the the genres of jazz and, and his pronunciation the, and the is pronunciation spot on yes <laughs> but um and dad has an incredible collection of classical music i remember and jazz oh and jazz mm. yeah yeah but i remember you, what did you buy like a cd every week dad or classical yeah it was like, pretty much uh, when the times when the only way in which well first of all it was lps of course and then uh, when CDs came along, I was very frequent by a lot of the CDs found the way on to radio programs, of course, mm. that, I, that, that I prepared. Um, but it's interesting, we've come a long way and now the CD as a medium is fading and I know I've subscribed to a thing called Spotify and also a, a 
a specific classical music um, streamer called Idagio. And what one of the great things about that is that in order to find new music, things that you hadn't heard before, um, you had to go to a music shop, of course. Nowadays, it's all there with Spotify and or Idagio, and you can sample and learn new music. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's another side of it and whether or not it's a good business model for musicians, but that's another story. That's another story. Yeah. That's for another podcast, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Dad, music has just continued to be such an important part of your life and, you know, Dad is a beloved member of our community choir, Cheap Trill. Um, so every week he gets his, his weekly dose of, of singing in harmony um, and it's interesting that uh, Dad mentioned before he used to run his own choir with the students. So I wonder mm-hmm. where we got it from, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and we have first-hand knowledge that you are quite a prolific shower singer. Is that right, Dad? Yes, I usually have a shower every day. <laughs> Good to know. Good that's, to know. Now like tell us, <laughs> what is your all-time favourite shower song? Well, I've thought really hard about this Mm. and uh, I've come to the conclusion that it comes back to, remember I I said that I was really turned on to South American music through the classical guitar? Yes. Well, in popular music too, uh, that became very important to me. And my favourite composer from the 1960s, he's dead now and unfortunately, but uh, was a composer called Antonio Calas-Chobin. Mm. And for those who um, they know of him by name, you'll probably remember his great hit, The Girl from Ipanema, ah, mm-hmm. yes. from the 60s. So uh, I've, I've loved singing his songs. What I like about it is that the melodies can be quite simple, but the actual chord progressions are very, very unusual, and that makes the sound of the guitar and the combined with the voice is being quite unique. Mm. And I think his sound, Joban's sound, is very, very, very unique. Absolutely. Do you think that we can fit Dad's guitar in the shower, Tony? Absolutely. You reckon? Yeah. And what about my violin, Elliot? Look, Will he I, fit have as well? a, I have a ginormous shower. Uh, <clears throat> okay, good. The- <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going somewhere else, and I'm like, we're family not, here. No, highly inappropriate. No, it's not going there. It's Keep not, the clothes not, on. Yeah. Well, Let's get into our wetsuits. Yeah, we've got. Yep, yeah, I, I I got a few wetsuits from the local pool shop. Um, so we're gonna. Um, I think let's. Let's put them on. Let's zip them up, and then I think we should get in the shower, and then I think we should have a sing of uh, what's a song what's a song you're doing well I'd like to sing a song we can think about this very carefully it's actually called meditation ah lovely amazing we're going to teach the audience a simple harmony part so they can sing along at home yep we better do that so let's do that first so the first harmony we're going to teach you is a high harmony and it's going to come in in the chorus there are two choruses in this song and it starts on the note F. This is how it goes. Repeat after me. Ooh, ooh, 
let's do that together. One, two, three, four. It's your turn to teach the low harmony. All right, here we go with the low harmony. Okay, so we're going to sing a chromatic scale going down from A. We're going to go like this. A one, two, three. Ooh. Ooh. Fantastic. Now let's do that again together. Here we go, starting on ooh, a one, two, three, four, ooh, ooh, beautiful. So that, like Emma said, happens twice. All right, we're all suited up. Um, does your wetsuit fit, Dad? Actually, uh, Ed, I, I don't think I really need a wetsuit uh, this morning. Uh, I'm just about ready to dip my toe in the warm waters of Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about your water pressure, Dad? How do you like your water pressure? Oh, very high, very Fantastic. high. Fantastic. Well, uh, do you want to turn the, uh, the shower on, Ems? Absolutely. Here we go. gone and I'm all by myself and I need your caress I just think of you and the thought of me having you near makes my loneliness soon disappear though you're far away I have only Close my eyes and you are back to stay. I just close my eyes and the sadness that missing you brings soon is gone and this heart of mine sings. Yes, I love you so and that for me is all I need to know. sun falls out of the sky for what else can I do I will wait for you meditating how sweet life will be when you come back to me
the sun falls out of the sky For what else can I do? I will wait for you Meditating how sweet life will be when you come back to me Meditating how sweet life will be when you come back to me Meditating how sweet life will be When you come back to me Oh my gosh, I don't think the shower's ever sounded that good. So beautiful, Dad. You are a pro. Thank you so much Thank for coming you, Dad, on. Thank you, Dad, for coming on. It's a pleasure, Ems and Ed. It's been a great experience. Thank you. We'll see you soon, real we'll see soon, you soon. Like on the car trip home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Stories from a Shower Center. If you like the podcast, please rate it, subscribe, and share with your friends. Stories from a Shower Singer is brought to you by Emma Dean, Tony Dean, and Corinne Bizanjic of Cheap Trill. Until next time, stay clean.